0: Hello and welcome to the Cynical Podcast, where we take deep dives into the shallow waters of today's blockbuster movies, star studded films, and most hyped popcorn flicks. We're your hosts, Malika, Clacian, and Will, and today we are reviewing the best fucking movie ever made. Okay, maybe not, but it is Top Gun Maverick. Woo! Talk to me, Goose.
1: <laughs> Talk to me, Goose.
0: Okay. This is your spoiler warning for all of those listening, because we know there are thousands and millions of you out there listening. (laughs) So if you haven't seen it, don't listen to this podcast unless you don't care about spoilers. Anyway. You should
2: care and you should go watch it. Immediately. Drop what you're doing.
0: So the recap provided by Letterboxd is... After more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Mitchell is where he belongs, pushing the envelope as a courageous test pilot and dodging the advancement in the rank that would ground him.
2: Actually, a fairly decent. Oh, dodging.
0: Dodging the advancement in the rank that would ground him. Oh, didn't
2: rank like he's still a captain.
0: Yeah. Oh, I didn't really catch that, but... Because
2: they say at one point, like, you should be a two-star like a T- general by yeah. now, and you're still Captain right. Pete Mitchell, you So, know?
0: I read that throughout the movie as he had done so much fucked up shit that they couldn't advance him. Like, not fucked up, you know, but... But, like,
1: like not following the rules and
0: stuff. Right. But,
2: yeah, basically, it's twofold, right? It's one, he kept pissing off admirals and generals, whatever, and two he didn't want she didn't it want right to. so he yeah. wasn't if he wanted it if he cared about advancement he would have stopped fucking up and instead he really cared about just being airborne and doing cool shit so that's maverick for you yes that's where his priorities were he just wanted to fly
0: that angle i didn't really pick up on as much during the movie but it makes sense now that you say it i feel like that's something i just missed as opposed to like not Doing a good job. It's staying.
2: sort of an undercurrent throughout the whole thing because this is his last shot. Because I don't know if he would necessarily have taken this role as a teacher. As he you know,
1: says, to, he wouldn't have. Yeah, he really yeah. says <laughs> it, right? He's like,
2: "Oh," and he's like, "It's my only shot to fly." And after this, we're gonna ground you, right? So it's just like undercurrent throughout the whole thing. The only thing keeping him still in the navy and still in the pilot seat is the Iceman. And then once he dies, like you can sort of see the change in John Hamm's character. He's like, "Oh." I don't care about you anymore. There's nobody breathing down my neck to keep you in this role.
0: Yeah. And now that I think about it, it is totally clearly stated when he's talking to Iceman Val Kilmer, when he's talking about <laughs> like, I am a pilot. It's not what I do. It's who I am. Like that really punches it home that that is why he's yeah. stayed as a pilot this whole exactly. time. Let's get our uh, first impressions on the board. Who wants to start?
1: I'll start. Um, so I don't think I've seen the original Top Gun since like, I don't know. was probably playing on cable like in 1996 <laughs> probably or something. And at that point, I was definitely way too young to understand any of the undercurrents or themes about the movie. I mean, it, it became like a meme machine in the early aughts, right, of like all the homoeroticism yeah. <laughs> throughout. So in a way, the original was like, not really like a joke to me, but it had more of a a lasting legacy based off of its meme appeal versus the movie in and of itself and again i hadn't seen it in plus 20 plus years so that's just on me and it felt like this was sort of like better than a return to form it was actually like an ascension of what the concept of the movie could have been in in a steadier hand and it was a blast i was not expecting much going in and pretty much right from the get-go they got me bought in with like what they were doing and the everything looked really cool and tom cruise was tom cruising it up and i was like yep this was worth the price of admission
0: yeah i agree i think the first one was more of just an action movie there was not as much nuance to this story i thought this story was much better than the original i like the original a lot but it was more campy i guess you could say for sure I felt this was more nuanced. Malika, what about you? What was your first impression?
2: I really enjoyed this movie. And I actually did rewatch the original a few days before I saw the new one. And like you, Clay, I hadn't seen it in years and years and years, probably decades. And I'm really glad I did do the rewatch because there were a lot of little homages to the original. I mean, obviously they have like snippets from the movie, but there were little things that if you had rewatched it or you were a diehard fan, like there were extra things like you know, woven in there. And I think like this should be the blueprint of these reboots. Like we're living in an era where they're rebooting everything, all our favorite movies and TV shows from the 80s and 90s. This is how they should do it. It is paying homage, it is nodding its head at the original, but then it's giving you something so much better and more fun, frankly. You know, the original was great, but this was just so much better. And, like, what's interesting is the original was just literally about the Top Gun school, but they were like, okay, we don't care about that. All of these people in this movie have already done it. This is now about the mission. So they went straight to the action, which I really enjoyed. It's like, we're not going to, like, give you more of the same. We're not going to, you know, not to, to drag on Star Wars. Like, the new Star Wars movies felt a little bit like, like a redo right instead of like moving forward this felt like a nice nod and then a move forward so i loved it i think everyone should take notes on how they did top gun maverick
0: could well, not agree more the one star wars movie that did try to move forward people hated but we won't <laughs> get into
1: it listen yeah. we don't want the internet trolls to come after us don't even mention won't get it. into okay? that okay
0: <laughs> yeah i agree something i really liked about it was how the movie Was about Maverick. It's called Top Gun Maverick. Yeah,
2: yeah. And Mm
0: -hmm. I feel like with these sequels that come so much later, you can either go like one of two ways of a completely new story in the same train of thought, the same world. Kind of like Blade Runner 2049. It was Mm -hmm. totally new with ties to the original. Or you have to just make it like a true sequel about the same character. And that's what I liked about this. Like it was about Maverick, the whole story was Maverick's story. So I like that they didn't try to make it too much, like introducing the new era of pilots with Maverick. It was like, this is Maverick's story. It's still Maverick's story, which I appreciated.
1: At first, I thought it was going to be a lot of, like, the new class, but it really wasn't. Um, That's actually a really good point. And it's interesting that, you know, for, again, one of these reboots where it's often just feels like a retread, it does feel like an actual fresh arc mm-hmm. for this character mm-hmm. like it we, it feels like we leave him in a different place in a different headspace in a different like his life is going to have a different outcome now than if the sequences of the movie never happened and like that is so refreshing like at the bare basics of like telling a good story there's like a relatable character they have to go through some sort of experience they have to come through on the other side you know change in some manner and you know that was actually there versus just having these you know, these stand-ins, these two-dimensional figures that we're just supposed to root for because their last name is Skywalker. <laughs> um, you know, so, yeah, it was. Uh, it's, it's kind of crazy how refreshing this movie felt, like I said, especially having basically no expectations going in because it just kind of right. sleep- seemed like it could just be another one of these retreads, right, right. but it really wasn't. And
2: especially since, like, we've seen so many Tom Cruise movies at this point, right? You know, Edge of Tomorrow is one of my favorites. The Mission Impossible movies are still going on. And this could have felt easily, like, more of the same. And in a lot of ways, it was more of the same. But what it did well was, like, they're like, we know Tom Cruise is really good at this. Like, let him do his thing. And they let him do his thing. But yet, they were still true to the character that Maverick was. And so they were able to balance all of these different pieces and... Ultimately, like, it really worked for me. Like, I was fist pumping. I was laughing. I was crying. I had all the emotions. This is great for me.
0: Same here. In the showing I had, there were multiple times where 50-year-old men were (laughs) cheering in the middle of the movie. Yeah, yeah. They were just like, yeah. (laughs) And I felt the same way. I was like... I was fist-bumping. I was like, hell yeah. Uh, A real
1: crowd pleaser. I actually did read that middle-aged audiences
2: were the ones that helped bring this to the top of the box office because I think it was very much a nostalgia play for a lot of people. But at the same time, like, we weren't alive when the original came out. But it had enough of, like, the hot young actors and, like, a likable storyline that it could appeal to more than just, you know, the people who watched the original. They did, again, really incredible job balancing all the pieces to make this the next blockbuster.
0: I agree. I love this as well. And I think something that was so interesting that, you know, we've all touched on, but it was so familiar. Like, Mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. such a tried and true kind of scope of the story and it wasn't anything totally groundbreaking like you had your action hero who was a bad boy who's misunderstood who's trying to prove himself and help others along the way but it was not even a new take on it it was just done so well and it is a slightly new take like new storylines that were fresh enough to feel like it was something new and it was something familiar and just everything you would ever want from a action blockbuster movie, like that's what it comes yeah. down to. I didn't go in expecting this to be Schindler's List, you know,
1: <laughs> right? It, right. It was what <laughs> a Memorial I hope Day. That's the movie you pull oh, out, but uh, yeah, of all the comparisons, not like a Jurassic Park or something. At no, least. But, no, but that's <laughs> but what it point, is like.
2: I think you're trying to say like it also didn't take itself so seriously. Yes. Like one of the things that I loved about it was there was no specific enemy it was just the enemy and they don't even like talk about how their mission is basically an act of war because they're like destroying this base and then like you know their uranium stores or whatever it is it's clearly to know like it didn't 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 matter (laughs) it did not matter it was not trying to make a political statement it was just like no we're gonna just fly around planes in like cool formations and it's just gonna be like you know, Top Gun, Mission Impossible, mishmash, and it's going to work. And they bet on it, and it worked. Because I think that trying to add all of those elements and try and take itself too seriously would have just bogged it down. And instead, it was just so light and fun, and that's what you want out of Top Gun.
1: Yeah. And I think also what made this work especially, because it's clear we all really like this movie. So <laughs> to me, what will be interesting is kind of trying to dissect right and understand mm. what were the the parts that made it feel greater than its whole because it is clearly hard to do we haven't had a movie like this it isn't like a ip that's based off of a comic book or a book series mm. i like in a while so like it's refreshing that it's still possible but i'm also curious then what gives it its secret sauce if you compare this to like a marvel Uh, one criticism that a lot of folks have about Marvel is that it has a villain problem, right? Mm -hmm. Because they, they put a lot of the stakes, right, on these villains that we all know are just disposable. It's kind of the nature of comic books. There's a rogues gallery. Here's the person I'm battling today. Then it's somebody else tomorrow, whatever. So I think what was really smart about this movie is that they realized like the actual emotional resonance doesn't need to rely on the villain. That's why the villains are faceless. Other four like, we don't care. We literally don't even know what country we're in. It's definitely Russia, but they don't say it. So like, because they realize that's not what's important. What's actually important is Maverick's relationship to Rooster, to Goose's son. And right. to ha- and for him having an opportunity to finally work through some hurt that's there and to also move on himself. Like he's working through his stuff with Rooster, but he's also clearly working through his stuff with Goose. And like, mm-hmm. that is the thing we care about whether or not they complete the mission to be honest i did not give a shit if they completed the mission i was like this looks really cool while they're doing it but like clearly that wasn't the point and that's why the ending is so much more meaningful because mm-hmm. the the big raw moment it's not about them hitting the plutonium mark it's about rooster coming back from maverick that's why it works it's about
2: them surviving it's yeah to be fair. so like yeah.
1: so to me i'm like this is a perfect example like if you're looking at other like big blockbuster movies that you could be making is like take it back to the some of its parts like what are the things that the audience really needs to come away with and it's less about the villain always like it could be but having a really compelling villain is super hard so like yeah. what else can you do and to me like this movie was the perfect showcase of like how you can construct a well put together movie that pe- that people resonate with and enjoy and that you know it's not disposable like even as light as this movie was and kind of like the plot wasn't really that complex to follow like there were no infinity zones i didn't have to keep track of anything you know i didn't have to take notes during the movie but it still is sitting with me days after having seen yeah. it, and to me, like that is the hallmark of a good blockbuster.
2: I do have to add, though, I I love that the bad guy was like all in black. I did have like vibes of like Hydra. I was like, I kind of like this because I was like, there's a little bit of Marvel, you know. I don't know they pulled elements from everywhere, and I thought that very was very stylish. Fun. Again, it wasn't I like say. I like I laughed at it, but it didn't like take me out of it by any means, you know.
0: Yeah, I liked as well that there was no real villain yeah. in the film, you know? You didn't I, need one. <laughs> I've seen online discussions where it was like, it's Russia. They're like, well, actually, they don't have fifth generation planes. And it's like, well, it's, it's next a to universe. a coast and it's Russia is it by the coast. And where are they? Get-? It's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. None it's irrelevant to the storyline. Exactly,
2: And it kind of makes the movie timeless in a way because sometimes you watch these older movies and depending on who they choose as the bad guy country is like the very always revealing of the time <laughs> period that in which you're living so this one was like who cares it doesn't matter like you said clay it's really about these characters getting over whatever trauma they have and coming together as a team and they did and it's great
0: and something too that i can't think can be like stress enough with this movie and with the best action movies that come to my mind over the past 10 years, like if you have good enough action, if the action is actually done really well and practical mm-hmm. effects, it can carry the movie despite anything else. I like the story of this movie. I thought there were some really good qualities in the writing. Mm-hmm. But even if it was worse, the action in this movie is so fucking good that... It wouldn't have mattered what else they put in the movie. It's like Mad Max Fury Road, John Wick. Those movies can be carried just by how high quality the directing of yeah. the action is, and it's the same with this movie. They're literally in planes. The actors yeah. are in planes, and there are scenes where you see it. Like you could tell that is not faked by CGI, and that's not to shit on all CGI. Like CGI is important in it you know, shows us stuff that we'd never see before. But it's also so cool to get a movie like this that you feel the practical effects and you feel the actors going through Yeah,
2: I'm a huge fan of practical effects so I'm with you on that. And honestly, we don't, I mean, maybe I'm missing a, a part of my film education here, but there are not that many movies I can think of where you see so many cool airplane stunts like back to back to it's back. Expensive. So, it's mean, expensive. I mean, that's part of the issue. It's really so, but it expensive also makes this unique, you know, <laughs> like it allows this thing that feels comfortable and familiar to also feel unique and fresh because it's not something that we like this particular type of action. We don't see as often.
1: Yeah, you're completely right. Like we see car chases all the time. We see, you know, big battles. We see even hand to hand combat now. Right. Like a lot of the kind of mixed martial arts, you know, that in the Southeast Asian film industry has migrated its way to the States over the last 30 years. So we do see a lot more of that. But yeah, like seeing these dog fights right in planes and Mm -hmm. seeing these maneuvers like it's not something we get a lot. So it does feel really just I don't know. It gives you like a sense of wonder that you just you're not going to get anywhere else especially and I think we have to talk about the fact that this is a pure theatrical release the movie was held for a long time it was supposed to be released right before the pandemic and it kept getting delayed several times and there was a statement put out I don't remember if it was Tom Cruise himself or someone else from Paramount or one of the production studios but they made a point of saying this movie was never going to streaming we wanted to make sure that it could be enjoyed and a theater experience because if... And I get it. Like, think about all the people in the cast and crew that work so hard to bring this to life. I don't know if it would have been the same experience watching this on my TV at home. I really don't think it would have had a the same impact. big
2: deal considering that the last four or five Paramount releases have all come within 45 to 60 days to a streaming service, <laughs> plug Paramount+. Plus, <laughs> um, But Sponsorize this one Paramount is Plus. not happening in this calendar year. I wouldn't say never... For that, but I think it is a big deal that you know there's like, no, we want people to see it in theaters. It's an interesting conversation. We don't have to get too, too far into it. But like when you put something on streaming, it doesn't necessarily diminish it, but it does expand the distribution, right? More people can see it, but they're putting their foot down and saying, no, no, we want you to see it, but we want you to see it in a particular environment because that's what's gonna suit this movie. And not many people are willing to put their foot down like that. And Tom Cruise has the star power to do do that which is pretty impressive in this day and age
0: it is an interesting conversation which really has always followed film everywhere since the beginning of like studio films it's definitely more in like the cultural zeitgeist and you know pop culture conversation these days as to the business of film versus the art of film especially with marvel it's very much like a the business of film and when they bring in new directors that aren't really given the space to do their own thing. It's like business. But that has been a thing for ever since since the
1: studio system existed. Exactly. Yeah, There's been company men. And yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I, I agree. I do think it was really important that this was released to theaters first. I don't think this movie I mean, we'll have to wait and see it. But I doubt this movie has the same impact seeing it on a screen in your house like on a much smaller screen i saw an imax and i'm so glad i did it
2: yeah same. you
0: were like in the cockpit with those pilots you really felt it and i think it was a smart decision by this movie
2: I know Jennifer Connelly wasn't one of the main characters, but she looked so so good in this movie, and there were a lot a lot of like close like face shots of her. And I think like the filmmakers also had a crush on her. They were like, "Wow, how does she look so amazing?" And I just thought she was like a very charming, lovely character that. Tom Cruise got to play off of. He still got his love interest, and I do like that they kind of jumped right into the middle of their love story. They had a history. They kind of ran us through it, and it wasn't brand new because we didn't have time to start from scratch with them. They're also comfortable with each other, and then they can kind of move on together, which is where Maverick was in his life. He needed someone to help him get to the next stage of his life because he was sort of stuck. Right, the whole thing with Goose, uh, you know, he just wasn't able to get over it. He was stuck in a certain phase of his life, and she was the right partner. To Get him across that line.
0: Yeah, I think it was really smart how they approached her character because I think it would have been really easy to spend a lot of time over-explaining their history as a couple and their relationship up to that point. And they did a really good job of just it's a 30-year time get jump, not only for us Mm -hmm. since the last Top Gun, but since it for the characters as well. And Obviously, you can assume stuff has happened in these characters' life over the 30 years. They gave just enough to be able to put two and two together. These people have a dating history. They've had a past. She got married, divorced, and has a kid that he's familiar with, like... You get enough of what their relationship was before the events of this movie that they don't really need to go into the detail of who they were to each other or what they meant to each other and just kind of let it play out and like let the audience's imagination fill in the blanks, which I think was amazing. Yeah, And yes, Jennifer Connelly is stunning.
2: So stunning. And they had great chemistry. It was great.
0: I actually think she in this movie was much like more warm and kind of like laid back than i've seen her before i think a lot of times she can kind of play colder more uptight characters but she was great in this i liked it she was laid back and cool
1: yeah couldn't agree more and i think also to your point well that deft touch of filmmaking and more of the showing less of the telling Mm -hmm. is just peppered throughout right like we get enough of the history of these characters through sequences of looks and through bits of dialogue. Like even in just the beginning, we can already sense the relationship between, you know, Maverick, Tom Cruise's character and and his buddy Hondo, who's played by Bashir Salahuddin. Like they have a great dynamic of like, wait, what's that look? He already knows Maverick's going to do something, yeah. he's, something naughty. And then he's like, all right, like I'm going to go along with it. Like I I was kind of surprised that he continued on throughout the rest of the story once Maverick went back to uh, teach the top yeah. gun. Graduates, yeah, but i, I enjoyed too. it because it, it felt nice for him to have you know somebody else right that like because he was clearly disrespected in that space if he had gone into that space and obviously you know iceman got him the job but you know the kind of the subplot with valcoma's character is that he's he's in poor health and he's not doing well and he's not around so him actually having uh both hondo and penny to bounce off of yeah. helped kind of give a little bit more depth to his character than if he was just constantly sparring or kind of being sarcastic with the student. So I've, I love his, his addition for that. And it just gave an, an extra depth right to this world that to your point, well, we haven't seen in 30 plus years and it right. could have felt really hokey or it could have felt like an information dump and they, they just, They found that perfect balance, I think.
2: Yeah, I think balance, again, is what I'm going to reiterate there because there is a moment when he first shows up at the bar and there's a quick little, like, exposition where they're like, you were in Bosnia, then you were here, and then you were... But it was so quick. It was, like, less than 60 seconds. And then they let their actions speak for themselves, where she too says like, oh, I know that look, even though she like, has her back to him. She knows, she knows he wants to come in, you know? There are these little, little moments where they like set you up and then they don't do it again. Cause I think that if they kept trying to do that, I remember that time, just little things are like when the daughter says like, don't break her heart again. We don't need to know more than that, that like they had a bad breakup and there there is a lot of feeling there. So it was really well done where they just like let us enjoy their new phase of their relationship.
0: Agreed. And even with his relationship with Iceman, mm-hmm. I think a lesser movie would have taken a scene or a conversation with someone to be like, wait, wait didn't you and Iceman used to hate each other and like, ah, yes. But over the years we've, (laughs) yeah, we, after the events, we came to an understanding and we, it just like let itself unfold. And it's easy enough for people to think, yeah, okay. They're older. A lot's happened in the past. They kind of had a mutual understanding at the end of the last film. Now they're great, great friends. Like, there was enough there to give us enough history that you can put two and two together, but it didn't over-explain anything and totally bog down like the dialogue and the pace of the movie of over explaining these relationships that happened in 30 years. Yeah,
2: instead of explaining it, they just showed you a clip of them embracing at the end of the original movie. And so you know, okay, at some point, these two made up. They're no longer enemies. And that was enough. We didn't need to go into it further than that. And of course, Malika Crywatch, like <laughs> the moment where he enters Iceman's study and they're talking and he can't speak and he's like just typing. I lost it. I was just, like, weeping. I was like, oh, my God. And I did not expect that to be the moment I was going to cry. I really didn't. But it was just so touching and emotional. And I think in a lot of ways it was real because I don't know the last time these two were in a movie together so I think there was a touching moment and like you know Val Kilmer has been through some health scares in his life and I hope he's on the up and up but like there was a lot of true emotion that came through in a very brief scene that again set us it was like a perfect like setup for where Uh, Maverick's character needed to go we needed that push in the right direction away from the normal trajectory that Maverick was in up until that moment beautifully done
0: once again with the Iceman stuff like all they had to say was he walks into the house and he says to Iceman's wife it came back didn't it and like that's all you need it's all you need and you know this isn't some brilliant mind-blowing writing but (laughs) It's just a lot of blockbuster movies like this these days don't understand that that like audiences
1: are smart enough to figure shit mm-hmm. out and that's, they lay
2: it on too thick they do yeah,
1: and this because they're making movies so when you're distracted at home, you can still know what's going on because they're like, oh, somebody said it and there's like a text message, and there's like a note, and it's like, okay, we get it.
0: <laughs> and like remember what I told you three days ago. <laughs> Let me repeat it word for word now, yeah. It was great. And I think it's a testament not only to good writing but to great acting. Yes. from all the characters, but especially like I just want to take some time to talk about TC, Tom Cruise.
2: Oh, our boy TC.
0: He's I he has to be the best action star of our lifetimes. I can't think of anyone else who would be in contention. The guy just like doesn't miss whatever qualms people have with his personal life aside he nails it like this it it was the quintessential action movie star performance and I think his acting skills are underrated lots of people agree that he's a great action star but like a lot of his acting is what carried these connections we're saying of like two and two you can put it together you don't need to spell it out and not only him but Jennifer Connelly, Miles Teller, the entire cast, they did a great job. Like I was really impressed by the acting throughout.
2: Yeah, it was yeah. an incredible ensemble. Like everyone was perfectly cast. The female characters were strong, you know, the friendships felt genuine. It was really the whole cast had like incredible chemistry. So it was really well done. And with Tom Cruise like he could easily be the kind of guy who's like the same character in every movie. And yes, there are a lot of like similar elements, but I don't think he was Ethan Hunt in this. I don't think he was the character from Edge of Tomorrow in this. Like there are different flavors of the Tom Cruise action star and he gives it to us and you believe he is that character. And I know that sounds stupid because you know, he's an actor, but there are a lot of people who play the same character in every single movie. And you're like, okay, I'm seeing a Will Ferrell movie because I want to see Will Ferrell make Will Ferrell jokes, you know? And I love Will Ferrell. That's not a knock against him, but he doesn't play that many characters in his comedies. I know there is like Stranger Than Fiction, some like dramas. I'm not trying to get into the whole filmography of Will, but like, sorry, Will Ferrell, not
0: you. Not me.
2: (laughs) The whole filmography of Will Ferrell, but you know what I mean? Like there is a certain expectation that you'll see the same character, but with Tom, there are these nuances that he's able to bring forth. And I did not know it until this movie, but I am a Tom Cruise fan. I am a true Tom Cruise fan and he is a movie star. He is a true definition of a movie star.
1: Yeah. Like you've said it perfectly Malika and like, What's so fascinating about Tom Cruise as an actor and as a movie star is that he has never done anything besides movies. If you look at his filmography, he's never started a TV show. I think he very rarely, if ever, has done commercials. He's like the last bastion of an era of actor. And I was actually thinking about who his contemporaries are, considering when he came, he rose to fame in in the early eighties, and just the Brad the, Pitt. A, not, not even. Brad Pitt was actually a little bit later. Like he didn't really rise to fame until Thelma Louise in the early '90s. So Tom Cruise had like a full ten years of being in films on him. And like, I don't know what was what's especially fascinating about Tom Cruise is that. He clearly gets it. If you look at his choices, he's one of the actors that has way more hits than misses. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was listening to another podcast where they are basically doing a, a Tom Cruise Hall of Fame. And they kind of just go through his filmography and debate. And it was probably one of the conversations they had that was the most conflicting of like, wait, we can't put the color of money and we can't put, oh, my God, like, what are we going to do? He very rarely makes a misstep. Even when he does, it's usually a creative misstep. It's usually something that's like, oh, that was weird that you did that, but it wasn't like a terrible movie. It was more of like, this just didn't work. So, like, what's so great about him is his ability to like pick a project and to commit. And like, I think he is an underappreciated and underrated actor because he doesn't act in the showiest of ways that typically gets like awards recognition for example like if you wouldn't maybe even compare him to like a daniel day lewis who's well known right for being kind of very method and he gets into the headspace of his characters and he and he does these crazy dramatic roles right and he he almost gets lost in the character i've never been lost in in a Tom Cruise character. But to your point, he has different shades and he knows exactly what to turn on and when. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell me this guy is a bad actor if you watch Collateral and then you watch Minority Report and then you watch Vanilla Sky and then you watch Color of Money and then you watch a few, like he does these things that are just like, they're much more difficult to pinpoint. But they, if they're not done well, the character feels off. And I've very rarely been in a movie starring Tom Cruise where I'm like, I don't believe it. I but always I, believe it. <laughs> I
2: also love that he has a sense of humor because he was in Tropic Thunder and he plays like a ridiculous character and you're like, I love that this Tom Cruise is like just doing this like quick little cameo. It's like, okay.
1: Even but at then, Edge of Tomorrow, right? Like he's edge, kind I'm of gonna like say, the protagonist. T- one of my favorite
2: of his movies and I love that he's like, you know what? Emily Blunt is a star of this movie. I'm going to let her be cool. And I love that because he is true to the movie. It's not about his ego. Because you definitely have, there are movies out there where you watch something and you're like, hmm, it feels like they turned up, like Christian Bale in this Terminator movie because he was, it's Christian Bale. Like they turn up the amount of the actor because they've gotten the actor to do it. But he doesn't need that. He's like, okay, I'm going to do what's true to the movie. And you got to respect that.
1: Yeah. You know what I think is the greatest example of that? Tom Cruise actually gets hurt in his movies. Like, if you think about, like, what it means to be a leading man, and this was something that Bruce Willis also shared in his heyday, he's not somebody that, like, oh, I always have the answer, and I never get hurt, and I never screw up. He actually is outnumbered and outwitted and, like, just on his back foot a lot. And I think that is the little extra detail that makes somebody a true good action star because you need that rise of action right like you need to have the person like fumbling for answers having some sort of conflict overcoming it how can you overcome something when you're always beating everybody and like that is what makes it work at the end of the day
0: i agree and even just like a modern comparison i love marvel movies but captain america one of the reasons why he's been one of my least favorite avengers is because he's always so right all the time Every Captain America movie, he is like the bastion of being the good person in the right. And it's like, yeah, I get it. But it's kind of like vanilla and his conflicts seem less like personal conflicts and more something he just has to figure out because he's never in the wrong. And that's a great point that Tom Cruise characters oftentimes misstep and have struggles that they really have to get over and get through themselves. And it just leads to like a better character that you follow along with. Like, in this movie, I think something that's underrated is, like, his physical... I I mean, it's not really underrated because it's what he's known for, right? His physical acting. But a scene specifically I was thinking of was when he was doing... I can't remember if it was at the final actual mission or if it was when he was flying the test course when he wasn't supposed to. But they showed him in the cockpit. And with each turn of the plane, you saw, like he did such a good job of making you feel like he was flying the plane. He was like, and like as they're flying up and he's like feeling the G's, you could feel he made you feel what his character was going through, which is, not an easy yeah. thing to do.
2: But I also think he knows how to fly a plane. Like, I think yeah. I saw an interview. He's like, I ride bikes and cars and planes and, like, I like, I got like license of every kind. So since he actually has the real experience, he's able to let that come through in the acting. The thing I thought you were going to go with when you were talking about his physicality was I, I thought it was interesting where – he felt short to me in this movie. They didn't try to do any movie magic to make him seem taller than he was because a lot of his co-stars were taller than him. And there were moments where he's being confronted by somebody and he's looking up. And I was like, I love that you just owned, like, he, they didn't bother with that in the original and they didn't bother with that in this one because Maverick is Maverick. You know, it doesn't matter. He's going to show you up with his flying skills. I thought it was an interesting touch.
0: So, Klesia. It's time for the awards. Do you want to go into what you thought was pitch perfect about Top Gun other than everything?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we well, are kind of just talking about it. I, It has to be the practical effects in, in the flying scenes as a whole. Like, it, it really... Grounds the movie, Uh, because it gives a sense of weight, right, and stakes to everything. Like it's something that the average person can understand. Of like the point in the movie where they kind of go through the plan, right, of like what actually needs to happen. Like like you have to fly down this narrow canyon and stay at a certain height, and then you have to do like a crazy flip and then steep dive into a ridge and then a perfectly mark and drop a bomb in a very, very small space to like blow up uranium deposits or whatever. And then you have a very steep climb that with the G's on your body, it feels like you're being crushed. And then you have to do that. And then as soon as you escape, the enemy's on you and you have to speed away and you're into a dogfight. Like Great, I I need I need nothing else. Like you know what I mean. Like if you asked me to recite the finer plot points of most Marvel movies, I'd be like, I don't know, it was like a stone, and I think they went to like a Wakanda or something, which is fine. Like that's not what those movies are for. But I think it was just so visceral what needed to happen, and we saw so much of it. Like they wasted no expense. We were in the cockpit. We saw aerial shots. We saw the actual maneuvers. We saw everything we needed to see, and it just it felt so real. And like. I know, it's just, I love a theater going experience. And to me, like, this was a perfect encapsulation of what you're gonna get in a theater going experience from a movie like this. You're not gonna get anywhere else.
0: Totally agree. And I think it was a really smart plot writing decision. The way that they perfectly laid out what the mission was down to the finest detail, because by the time we got to it, we were so familiar with everything that they had to do. Each beat of that action sequence, we knew whether or not it was going right or wrong. And then it still left room for when obviously it wasn't going to go perfectly. We understand where things weren't going right, like right, exactly. It's yeah, just a familiar. It was very decipherable,
1: right? Very decipherable, easy to understand, like what was going on. It was incredible.
2: And as you said at the beginning of this, like this movie is called Top Gun Maverick, so we knew Maverick is the star, and we knew there was no way. They were going to have the mission without him being the leader. But I thought it was really well done how they got there. I was like, this didn't feel so forced. Like, they were giving up. Like, Iceman dies. There's nobody standing up for Maverick anymore. So they kick him out. But then he proves that you can do it. So obviously he needs to go because he's the only one who has done it. It was just really well done. Like, boom, boom, boom. And it took us where we needed to go without being too forced.
1: Not a second wasted. Couldn't agree more.
2: So, I agree with you, Clay. The all the flying scenes and like the the mission in itself was all really really well done.
0: One scene that stood out to me for the practical effects where you could really feel they were in the plane was so when he's in the plane and they're on the aircraft carrier and you see them taking off and you see the aircraft carrier getting smaller in the distance, I was mm-hmm. like that is an awesome shot that I've never seen anything like that before. It just, those little things, I think it really paid off for this movie. Yeah. Malika, what is a fun fact about Top Gun Maverick? Or multiple, if you have. I
2: one. have so many. I will go through them really, really <laughs> fast. Um One of the first ones is um back to that Val Kilmer scene. I didn't know this. I somehow missed this story that Val Kilmer actually had throat cancer, and lost his voice. So during the filming of this, the reason they had Iceman typing out is that Val Kilmer couldn't talk. And when we do hear him, when he does make the effort to speak, and oh my gosh, made me cry, that is actually all AI. They used a program to simulate his voice. So that wasn't actually Val Kilmer. Um, I hope he's on the mend, but during the filming, he wasn't able to actually speak. But they were able to use him really, really well. It was a pivotal moment in the Maverick arc, so um, it was really well done. And then secondly, I didn't know this but in the first movie they have references to an admiral's daughter because he Maverick pisses off a lot of admirals, right? They keep mentioning that in the first movie and in this this movie but Penny is that Admiral's daughter, which uh, I had no idea about. So I thought that was nice. So she's referenced. And so she was his first love. And then he meets Charlie in the first movie. And then he comes back to Penny in this, which is kind of nice. So she wasn't like a random character that came out of nowhere. And then, Will, I think you have a fun fact, right? A special guest in the fun fact category?
0: <laughs> yeah, just so as we've referenced a couple times on this podcast... The actors were in these military aircraft for the filming of this movie. It it was practical effects, not just in the sense that they were in planes, but they were in these military aircrafts. And in order to do so, I saw that it cost the production $11,000 per hour for them to film in these aircrafts. And there is a lot of material of them in these aircrafts. Yeah. And I'm sure there's even more Lots on the cutting room, yeah. room floor so <laughs> it's an impressive undertaking that they were able to do that and at one point i remember reading tom cruise asked he begged to be able to fly one of the planes because he is a pilot he has a lot of flight experience but they did not go that far to let him fly it
2: <laughs> oh my gosh i mean eleven thousand dollars and hour i can't imagine the insurance on trying to let
1: oh my god
2: also like in terms of letting their lead actor plus these planes like no way (laughs) it was
0: gonna happen.
1: i'm sure he had to like front some of his own money for that because oh my god! that seems
0: incredibly risky but it's impressive the lengths they went to to give this
1: movie the authentic feel agreed yeah agreed but will you know we love this movie we're singing its praises do you have anything that you would change what is the one thing if you had to pick
0: the only thing, this is getting super, super nitpicky, but in the final, you know, when they are, are actually executing the mission, there were two kind of bait and switches that were kind of the same move where when Maverick was shot down and Rooster saying, we have to go back and get him and every, all the rest of the pilots are saying, no, the mission's over. They're bringing him back. Like, we're sorry. He's gone. And then they cut to Maverick on the ground and the helicopter is chasing him and it's about to shoot him and then Rooster flies in and blows him up. They kind of pull the same stunt later in the fight when the bandit is chasing him down. They're out of ammunition. They've been hit a few times and it looks like they're going to get blown up and then Hangman comes in out of nowhere and you know blows up the bandit. Um, I would have liked to have seen like Rooster's actual decision-making to break away and turn back. Because like we've said, we knew Maverick probably wasn't going to die here. Like it was his story. Like it was all leading up to this. I think it would have been more valuable to see Rooster's decision-making, you know, doing, not thinking and, and, actually making the choice to go back and break away and directly disobey orders to go save Maverick. I think that would have been more valuable than the surprise payoff of him coming in and shooting down the helicopter, especially when we get the same stunt like 15 minutes later. Yeah,
2: yeah. I agree with you. I would have liked that change just to have a variety because I it did feel a little duplicative. I will say, though, I thought that they were going to, kill Maverick. There, I knew that Maverick was gonna save Rooster. Like that move was gonna happen, like starting the when the movie started and you'd realize like Rooster's a little nervous, he's not able to like quite get over this hump. I was like, okay, this is obvious that, you know, he wasn't able to save his dad, so he's gonna save the son, obviously. But then I thought they were gonna like sacrifice Maverick and this was like the final send off of Maverick. And I did enjoy that I was surprised that they didn't kill him. So I was like, okay, I guess this movie could surprise me. And then there's another moment. I don't know, this just randomly came to mind. There was a moment at the very end where Maverick goes to find Penny and she's out sailing. I literally said audibly in the movie theaters, oh shit, because I thought they were gonna kill Penny. So I think I had something in my mind where like they are not gonna let Maverick have a happy ending. They're gonna kill him or they're gonna kill his love. But I was wrong. Both times, I was like, no, this is just like Maverick getting what he wants. You know, it's kind of lovely. And I, it's, I think I've been so trained by Hollywood to, to go for those, like, cheap gut punches. Like, oh, we're going to make it hurt. And instead, it was like, no, we're going to let everyone be happy and everyone survive this mission. There were no casualties except the enemies. Sorry, guys. Um, and I thought that was a really, that in a weird way felt fresh to me.
1: Agreed. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because I felt the same way, Malika. Like, in the theater, I was like, well, Penny's dead. She capsized on that boat or something. Right? Because,
2: like, why wasn't she there? It was a little, I was like, oh, interesting. What are they doing with this? I was like, nope. She just had to have that, like, maybe the car sponsor or something. They needed that scene where she looks amazing leaning against that fancy car. But uh, not at all where I thought I was going to go. I do want to add one thing that I would change. And again, this is super duper nitpicky. Is that the whole thing with Rooster is that he isn't ready, or Maverick thinks that he's not ready to you know, join the, the military or to fly this mission. Maverick even says at one point, if I don't pick Rooster for this mission, he'll never forgive me, but if I do pick him, I'm afraid I'm never gonna see him again because I don't think he's ready. But then ultimately, when it ta- comes time to pick his wingman, he picks Rooster, and there isn't ever a moment where Maverick acknowledges, hey, I'm actually picking you because you're right for it, not because of nepotism, or not because I want to make sure that that we have a relationship when this mission is over. And so, in a weird way, even though Hangman has been kind of a dick this whole movie, and he's sort of playing the maverick role in this movie, it still felt like this opportunity that he deserved was taken away from him. Or, like, I just didn't feel as earned for Rooster. And that felt kind of shitty as, like, this character deserves more. So, even there's a conversation they have that there was literally an opportunity in this movie for them to say, like, I believe in you. And he does say, you got this, but that wasn't quite enough for me. I wanted a little bit of acknowledgement that Rooster was chosen for the right reason.
1: I totally agree. Yeah, they, like, get up to the precipice, right, of having that moment. Like, there's literally a pause, and then they decide and you know Maverick just says I'll see you later or I'll see you after or something like that so yeah it was it was an interesting choice it almost makes you wonder if there was a different take of that was left right. somewhere in the editing bay that they decided to make it a little bit more subtle but I agree I think we didn't see enough of Rooster up until that point to, to indicate that he had had some sort of breakthrough moment yeah because even when right. the mission starts he's clearly very nervous and like the guy behind him says you have to speed up so like it, clearly the moment that they're building towards is Maverick saving his life and that right being the kind of turning point for Rooster to A, understand this guy really cares for him and he'll do whatever it takes to keep him safe. But also that like, I'm in this position I should do everything within my power to complete the mission and to, to help right. my team. So, like, yeah, it felt like if maybe there some pivotal scene had happened a little bit earlier, it would have right. felt a little bit earned. But, yeah, we're we're just being nitpicky because we're like, damn, we love this movie. Yeah, it's great. We're, yeah, it's just... All because in all, like, I probably it, wouldn't change anything. By picking anything. Rooster,
2: if he truly was not ready, he's putting everybody on the mission's lives at risk. So it feels like a really terrible move but even if it wasn't even to rooster even if it was to john ham or one of the other characters or hondo where he's like like they're like oh you ended up picking rooster and he's like yeah he's actually ready this is the mission or whatever some acknowledgement that's all i needed like a te- like a five second scene like you know a little something to be like yes this was the right call and not a move purely out of nepotism
0: yeah i agree and i think that's a much better what should have changed especially because all of the pieces were there but Like, I do agree because Hangman, like by all accounts, was a great pilot, arguably a better pilot. But he just like didn't have the sense of looking out for his squad mates. And so even if it was just as much as him confronting Maverick and Maverick saying, look, you're going to leave your wingmates out to dry. And when it comes down to it, I trust Roosters thinking about safety above everything else. And he can figure out the rest later. That's all we needed. Right. But there, you're right. There really wasn't that explanation of why you picked Rooster over Hangman.
2: But other than that, such a fun movie. I think fun is like, it should be called Top Fun. Just kidding. <laughs>
0: Boo. <laughs> so let's get through these next awards quick, because I really don't think there are a lot of great options for them, but like. The J.B. Smoove Award, and once again, for those who don't know, J.B. Smoove Award goes to the person, place, or thing that felt totally out of place and like it was in a completely different movie In the movies we review, named after J.B. Smoove in Spider-Man Far From Home. But do you guys have any nominees for the J.B. Smoove Award for Top Gun Maverick?
2: For me, it was just Ed Harris. Not that he felt like he was in a different movie, but why give him top billing? Because it was like Val Kilmer and Ed Harris. So he clearly felt like he was going to be an important character. And then he shows up in the first five minutes, yells at Maverick, and then he's gone. So I don't know. It felt like a waste of it. And he wasn't, to my knowledge, in the first movie. So I'm not really sure. So it felt kind of weird to me to have such a notable actor show up and then leave.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Again, it kind of makes you wonder, because I think we talked about this, there's a lot of the movie that was edited out or it was edited down, and so there's potentially maybe other versions of this movie or other scenes where he had more of a prominent role. It almost just kind of feels like a little bit of like, like a little cookie to the audience. Cause like Ed Harris has kind of become known for these like military kind of statesman roles, like, you know, Apollo 13 and That's even true. things, even things like the rock. Right. So like, he's just like, he brings a pathos and a gravitas to whatever scene that he's in. So I think it's just like a shorthand to be like, Oh, we need, we need like the guy who's like, he follows the rules and he, he doesn't suffer fools lately so that Maverick can bounce off of it. And they have like kind of diametrically opposed, like takes on life and how to conduct oneself in the military. But yeah, it almost makes me wonder that there's maybe more to his story or he maybe had a little bit more involvement when uh, Iceman dies and, you know, Maverick becomes in the sights of a uh, John Hamm's character. Like it almost feels like maybe he was the one pulling those strings, but we never really get to see it. So yeah, it, it felt like we could have lost that or just had a different actor doing that small part and the movie wouldn't have suffered for it at all.
0: Do you have any nominees
1: I don't. I mean, I think the Ed Harris nominee is probably the best bet, but like like we said, we, we like so much of this movie, I don't I don't even want to take anything out. I'm just worried that anything we plebes decide should be taken out would just ruin the sauce. And I'm just like, you know what? It's fine the way it is. We're good.
0: Yeah, I think an argument could be made for Penny and Jennifer Connelly's character. I'm not going to make the argument because I liked it, but I could see it. Like, It didn't really add anything to the movie. I don't really think
1: yeah like just the romance in general right like like you could you could have not had a romance there was enough emotional weight there between his moments with rooster his moments with ice with iceman that i I didn't need to have another reason to root for tom cruise um but i do think it helped kind of make him feel a little bit more three-dimensional right like he clearly is this person that had this opportunity and he lost it. And that's a really relatable thing, right? To like, oh, there's that person that got away and like, damn, don't they look good. And like, maybe this is my second chance. Like look at JLo and Ben Affleck, like who knows? You know, who knows knows, guys? (laughs) Yeah. And
2: I do appreciate that they made Penny feel three-dimensional as well because it could have been so easy, cut her down and make her very flat. Like, her only purpose is to be the hot thing at the bar, right? But instead, she really felt like a real character and she had an important role to play as well in addition to Iceman shaping Maverick's path here and so she's the one who encourages him like what are you going to do about it you know that scene was really important because that gets him on the mission and kind of like kicks off the best 45 minutes as you said well so she was great
0: she was great our last award is the wink award which comes from our viewing of cruella for the character wink who was a very good boy um but it usually goes to the side character who kind of outperformed their role jumped off Mm -hmm. the screen uh, became like a fan favorite throughout the movie, even though they weren't necessarily pivotal to the plot of the movie. So who do
1: you guys nominate for the wink award? Honestly, it, it probably is Bob who has the weirdest call sign I've ever heard. <laughs> And it's kind of funny how in the beginning he's a bit of a joke, you know, and that's kind of the group dynamic, right? Like they, these group of people, some of them know each other, some of them don't. They're coming together uh, for this mission and they obviously, you know, they bond, they learn together, they become friends, right? So... Bob becomes kind of the like the perfect culmination of that of like he's a character that is a little bit unsure of himself like you even give him like glasses ha 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 they're like shorthand right to show a character that's like it like insecure in some capacity and then like the moment when they're you know they're playing football on the beach because you got to have that team bonding moment right. uh, and they're all like literally raising bob up and chanting his name like that was a nice little touch because it, it's also a perfect kind of counter to the volleyball scene in right, the first right. one where it's just very homoerotic and tense. <laughs> and then and then the football scene on the beach here was just more of a, a feeling of camaraderie and like coming together and it cemented the like the bond between these people that maybe would not have been close otherwise
2: Totally agree. And I honestly thought they were going to have some reveal where like Bob stands with something really cool, but they didn't at all. They're like, baby on board. Ha ha ha. And like, <laughs> that's it. And I was like, maybe that was on the cutting room floor too, but I was really expecting some like big reveal like, oh, it's like best of the best or something. Is what oh, it's a pretty
1: good I'm one. Very gl- I'm very glad. I'm kind of glad they did do those, but I am enjoying your variations <laughs> of what it, the acronym could have been. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought it was funny just because, this is a total side note, but I've been watching. I watched the first season of this Amazon Prime show called Outer Range. And the actor who plays Bob, Lewis Pullman, is one of the main characters. And he plays a totally different style character. He is like a rodeo ranch hand, badass, cool guy, which could not be further from like Bob's character in Top Gun <laughs> Maverick. Yeah. So. Uh, shout out to you
2: Uh, he was great shout out Bob shout out
0: Bob (laughs) right, we're getting pretty long so I think it's about time we wrap it up how would you rate Top Gun Maverick anyone want to go first or do I have to call on someone
2: for this I would rate it four and a half out of five Migs it was pretty freaking amazing
1: yeah I mean there's there's nothing else to be said I would rate this movie a 4.1 out of five sailboats hey no uh, because I would love to be on that sailboat with Jennifer Connelly, so you know that's me.
0: <laughs> and I'm gonna give it a 4.73 barbells, not barbell lifting weights, but barbells like that. Uh,
1: bells at a bar. Bells at a bar. <laughs> Just say is what. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think that's this is the first movie I gave over a four on our podcast, and it's way over. Yeah. Obviously, there's like different criteria by which you judge different movies but as far as like an action blockbuster it doesn't get a lot better than this so 4.73
2: that's probably the highest rating you've ever given a movie ever on this pod so that's awesome
0: all right guys final thoughts anything you want to say to wrap it up
2: This is not quite a fun fact, but um, I was reading that... You know the dogfight football scene? Apparently, all of the guys got really insecure about it. And so, like, the night before and up until the filming, they were, like you know, pumping iron and trying to get that final pump. And so they filmed <laughs> the scenes. All of the guys, not including, you know, Monica Barbaro, Bar- 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 who's, like, the only female character, she was like, I'm good, you guys. But all the other dudes were really insecure. So they were, like, pumping iron up until the very moment. And then they get the call the next day, like, hey, we got the right vibe, but we got to reshoot. <laughs> so then they they were, like, in the midst of, like, stuffing their faces with tater tots, and they are like, oh, oh. shoot, we got to do this again. <laughs>
0: That's hilarious.
2: I just thought that was really funny, and that scene was really iconic. You mentioned it, Clay. Like it definitely brings back notes of the original volleyball scene. And if anyone remembers that scene, Maverick is actually playing volleyball in jeans, and they had him in jeans again in this. And I loved that. And I noticed that because I was like, this is a nice nod to what this character would actually do they're not trying to modernize it? It's like what would maverick actually do and yes he would play in uh, jeans dogfight football which doesn't that actually seems... exist and doesn't make any sense um in a pair of jeans
1: that seems so uncomfortable like the idea of sand and seawater I just know. coating my person in denim is like it's honestly a nightmare what's the opposite of like asmr i gotta <laughs> like all of those sounds are the opposite of that true i
0: gotta say this is another small nitpick, but like the dogfight football, that was something that I could not get behind. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. How would you play this game? There's absolutely no logic to how it would be played. I think
2: I was okay with it. It's like... It's basically like, it's like New Girls, New American, right? Like you kind yeah. of like suspend disbelief. You're like, it's not about the rules of the game. It's not like the whole movie was about dogfight football, right? If this was like... A sports movie about it, I'd be like, no way, this doesn't make any sense. It was a minor thing just to show that they, one, are like a nod to the original movie, like the the volleyball scene, and two, that they're coming together as a team. So it, it served its purpose, so I really didn't care about the actual
0: rules. I hear your points. And it points. looked cool. I hear your points. Still hard for me to look <laughs> past it as a sports
1: fan.
2: It's just sports ball, you know, whatever.
1: Oh, Lord. Yeah, I I definitely agree, though. Like, the rules make no sense, but I didn't care enough to question it in the moment. But that is actually a good transition to my, like, last thought I want to bring up, which is uh, I'm going to call this ham alert. Uh, Not nearly enough John Ham. He was good in the moments that he was there. I I don't know. I like when he plays, like, a smug, like, a smartass. It it works. Uh, I do wish he had more to do because it was kind of like he was just sitting a lot behind desks. (laughs) <laughs> you know and just sort of standing in place looking looking military like you know which it works for him but uh I remember having the arc of finding out that he's in this movie like a few weeks before I went to go see it and be like oh John Hamza in this movie and he's like it could just be you know obviously um the actor's sort of esteem right like getting a higher billing in the credits but he's like the fourth named like actor mm-hmm. I think in the opening credits And I was like, wait, that was not nearly enough John Hamm. What's happening here? So I will say if I had to nitpick anything is give us the ham. That's all I have to say. And actually, he
2: was a runner up in my mind for the J.B. Smoove Award just because there wasn't enough of him. I was like. Again, why bring these actors in to not give them enough? Granted, there were tons of characters. Everyone can't have screen time. There were, you know, Manny Jacinto didn't have enough at all. He didn't even have a name, or I don't think he spoke at all. So I think that there was a little bit of like too many characters. So I get that, but you know, you don't need to have a name actor in every role.
0: That's true. I do think that there were. My guess is that there was a lot more movie when this was first cut that they really trimmed down because yeah, as we've talked about, like there were 12 pilots and we really only got to see six of them and really only four of them any to like any significance. Um, and I, I wonder if that's similar with John Hamm's character where there's yeah. a lot more of him, but they really trimmed it down which I'm a fan of. So what you're saying
1: is give me the ham director's (laughs) cut.
2: Yeah, we need a director's cut or like at least extended footage or behind the scenes. Give me the
1: ham cut. I'm going to start an internet petition (laughs) right now. Right now. I want the Ed Harris cut. (laughs) I always want the Ed Harris cut because he's great. You put Ed Harris in a movie, I'm like, I guess I'll watch this movie. Exactly. (laughs) He's great too. My
0: last thought is I love the trope of when like the antagonist sidekick kind of sees the point of view of the protagonist and joins their side and that's more or less what uh Charles Parnell's character warlock did like John yes. Ham's next right-hand man by the end he's kind of like a fan of Maverick and cheering him on and helping him out i i just love that trope and kind Same. of goes behind yeah. John Ham's back he's like Maverick you're pretty fucking cool.
2: You can't help but root for Maverick at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. I have to also add that I really enjoyed all the reveals of the different call signs because some of them are silly and fun, like Cyclone. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but they were fun. It's, it's just like fun to like, oh, what's that guy's gonna be? You know, it was a good reveal with each
0: character. Well, all right. That is it from us at the Cynical Podcast. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Be sure to check us out on our socials. We are at Cynical Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And be sure to follow our producer, editor, Aaron Kelly at ak.audio on Instagram. Thanks for listening and tune in the next time. See you later.
2: Deuces. Bye. Bye. Danger zone.
0: Highway to, to the danger, danger zone.
1: zone. We should start a band. To say. We should start a band. Honestly, we could do it. we could do anything.